flexible. But um, that experience was awesome. Those five games were super crazy. I remember July fourth, we had like ten thousand people show up to our to our our inner squad pretty much at uh, in North Carolina. So it was pretty. It was an awesome environment to be a part of. Just being able to play in front of that many people and with those guys on the field as well it was it was a pretty awesome experience. That's that's probably one thing that I'll remember forever is that is that week in North Carolina and plus the ne the next week in Europe. It was it was the best baseball moment I think I've had in my life. Welcome back to the baseball playground. This is your host Jacob Odell, Coach Matt McGowan, and today we have two very special guests on the show. We have Jack Wilson and Jacob Wilson, the number one shortstop in the country at the moment. And Jack Wilson, uh, father of Jacob Wilson, who also played shortstop in the big leagues, with an, was an all-star for the Pirates and uh, was also a part had, of the Giants. Had an okay career. Yeah, okay. So <laughs> thank you guys so much for being on the show. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, thanks for having us. Absolutely. Now, Jacob, I, first of all, think that you're an amazing player. I went. I saw the Ohio State Gonzaga tournament that you guys were at, and I mean, you tore it up. You absolutely killed it. Is that the weekly atmosphere? Is that how this thing typically is at GCU? Because I mean, I was there for a weekend, and I was like, I think I should stay forever because this is this is amazing. Yeah, you know, GCU's always been a you know great atmosphere. We always have a great fan base come out. We have obviously a great team in the past three years, and we have great teams that come in. It's pretty awesome. We kind of be a part of that, be able to kind of look up and see all these fans come out and just kind of show us all the support. So the atmosphere of the past three years has been phenomenal. And it's pretty it's pretty awesome to be able to play in front of all those people, especially when you have, you know, a great team that we've had, like I said, the past three years. And, you know, we bring in a bunch of great teams every single year. So it's it's pretty awesome environment to be a part of, for sure. It sounds amazing. Um, it, it was amazing when I was there. Now, you have such a unique story about being the number one ranked shortstop and, and the journey that you've, you've come through. Most people don't know that you were on a team in high school that first of all, was eight and before the pandemic hit. Um, but you didn't even play shortstop for your high school. You had the number one ranked or the number one drafted shortstop, Max Muncie, uh, at your high school playing shortstop. Um, tell us about the journey. Tell us about, I mean, We've seen the growth, obviously, from, from high school to, to college to Team USA. Talk about that growth and, and just that determination to, to play the position that you love. Yeah, you know, obviously, Max is a great player. You know, first-round draft pick back, I think it was 2021. You know, me and him always went back and forth, kind of just battling each other out. We, we were, always, were both taking ground balls to the shore. You know, he's a great guy. He's been he's worked hard for a very long time, and I think that really helped me kind of push myself to work hard, too. Uh, you know, we both, I think we played up the middle our senior year, we both played up the middle, so it was pretty pretty awesome to be able to share the, uh, share the field with that guy and kind of just turn double plays pretty much every day with him. Um, I think short's always been my favorite position to go out and kind of do my thing. I think I watched, obviously, my dad play shortstop for such a long time that that's what I really wanted to do, and it's kind of just been, you know, I had, had a bunch of great players, a bunch of great coaches kind of teach me how to develop a lot more defensively, you know, having dad kind of working with me ever since I was young, just kind of really focusing on the defensive side of, you know, the game. And then obviously with these players that I got to play with that are super talented, it kind of really pushed me to get better myself. I think that's something that I really take, you know, personally, because, you know, all these great, you know, great players kind of helped me uh, better my game. And then, you know, obviously we had Rock Reggio at, at our high school too. So he was a pretty, pretty good player at Oklahoma State now. So I think I was just surrounded by a bunch of good baseball players that kind of really pushed me that I wanted to get better myself. So it was pretty... Pretty special to be a part of that group as well. 
no, that those teams were absolutely stacked. Charlie Som, another one who was mm-hmm. stud. Jack Wilson, as a coach, you see your son just doing fantastic and great things. You've seen his journey. You've seen his struggles. You've seen, you know, the determination he's had. How as a father, you can talk to other parents that are, you know, watching their sons every day play high school baseball, allow them to fail, allow them to grow without being that helicopter parent or be that person that's just on them all the time. Right. I think um, I kind of started like that. I started with him like that. I was pretty hard on him early and it was something that I had to learn as a coach and as, and as a father to, to not make the mistake of forgetting how hard baseball is. Uh, especially going through it myself. I think that's one of the biggest mistakes that I made in my coaching journey was realizing that or forgetting that this game is really, really hard. Um, so I think when I really stepped back, look at myself in the mirror as a coach and as a dad and, and said, you know what, I'm just going to shower him with positivity every game. And there were car rides home after games and whatnot where I didn't say anything, which I thought was the best kind of not only uh, dad and son moment, but player coach moment where I just allowed him to, at some point, if he wanted to talk about what happened in the game, it was, it was up to him. It wasn't something where I got in the car and be like, dude, how'd you miss that two Oh pitch right there in that second at bat? Like you can't like guys on third base, you're just trying to get him in. And I would just sit there and we would have these drives home. And, uh, I would just allow him to ask me if he felt like talking about the game. I think that was a big, huge step for me and his relationship as father and son and, and player coach to know that, yeah, I'm, I'm here to support you in everything you do. And if you don't want to talk about it, it's cool. Like, because every player knows if they had a bad day and why they had that, why they had a bad day. And sometimes they just don't want to talk about it. You know, and I think that was a big moment for us as, as father, son, me understanding that I got to remember that this game is really, really, really hard. And he's playing at a very high level. And there's going to be days where you just don't have your game. And he doesn't need to hear, he doesn't need to hear from me, you know, watching in the stands, thinking that baseball is easy, you know, so He's been, he's been great. We've had a really tight relationship when I started making that adjustment as a father. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that you have really instilled something great in him, and you can see that journey along the way of him just playing baseball. So what are some of those traits and characteristics that you've actually instilled in him from a young age that you're now seeing blossom as he's getting older and playing at this high level? Well, I think mainly is never being satisfied with where you're at. Um, the time that you're supposed to be satisfied is when you retire, when you don't play anymore. That's when you can look back and, and say, hey, I gave it everything I could. Wherever that took me, whether it was to a D1 baseball career, whether it was beyond, you could be happy with your with what you did. I tell people all the time, my goal was never to, to make the major leagues. My goal was to be the best player that I could possibly be. And wherever that took me, I was going to be okay with because that's all I can control. You know, I, I think that's, that's Jacob to a T. That's what I've always said to him. I said, you know, doesn't matter if people are recognizing you at this age. He's playing with Max. He's playing with Rock. He's playing with Charlie to get national attention. And he wasn't at that level at the time. So I was like, hey, it doesn't matter. Like, it's still baseball. You still got to go out and, and get better every single day. And like he said, those guys pushed him. to. He wanted to be – he wanted that USA stuff that they were wearing to practice at Thousand Oaks High School. They had their USA stuff from the time that they had. And he – you know, he took that personally so much so that when I actually started coaching for USA, I would bring him home USA stuff and he would refuse it because he's like, no, no. He's like, I'm going to earn that shirt. I'm going to earn that T-shirt. I'm going to earn that hat. You don't have to bring me anything. And I thought that was pretty awesome to literally reject the gifts I gave him when I would bring him home. Cause he's like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to wear that unless I'm part of that squad. And then 
to have him last year make that squad was pretty was pretty awesome. But he's a great kid. He works hard. Uh, I think that's what it's, what's showing up now, and it grows into his body. And uh, the fact that no matter what, like you're just not satisfied with where you're at because if your if your goal is to be great and move on and and hopefully play at the highest level, then uh, this is just the beginning. I, I think one thing that that I think you instilled in him just based off what you you're telling us and just kind of knowing your career a little bit is work ethic, right? His work ethic. I mean, I watched those games. I was there early during batting practice, you know, I mean, it's not, he's not taking reps off. He's not doing things like that. And, and that's, I think that's what separates a lot of players. What are you doing when no one's watching? Um, right. Jacob now having a father who played professional baseball, what advice can you give to, you know, a player that's maybe dealing with a parent that's a little overbearing or something like that, where, hey, hey, dad, you know what, like, I had a bad day today, but like, I know my mistakes. And I feel like so many parents don't realize that we're high, you know, these high school players, they know when they make an error, they, they don't need to be told when they make an error. They, they understand, yeah. I mean, they're at practice every day. The coaches are obviously talking about it. They obviously don't need their parents coming after them as well. What would you what would you say to that? Yeah, I think, you know, errors happen. You know, you're going to have bad games, like he said. You're going to go out there. You're not going to really play your game. Everybody's going to have a bad game. It's baseball. It's the hardest sport on the planet. It's going to be really hard. It's ba- it's a game based around failure. So you're going to have to just kind of go out there. I would say utilize your teammates as well. You know, they, your teammates are people that you can talk to. You like, treat them like family. I you know the guys that I have here, I talk to a bunch just about, not even just about baseball, but even about life, whatever kind of, whatever's going on. Like, you you can have these great teammates, you know, who you can, they're still pretty positive people. So I know if you go back and, you know, you have a dad that's hard on you or something, you can always kind of talk to your teammates and know that baseball's a hard game. You're going to go through ups and downs. But I think definitely for sure kind of just hang out with your teammates, kind of talk to them. They're probably some of the best people to talk to. And plus they also they get the game and get how hard it is. So I think for me, my main thing is just kind of talking to teammates and just kind of, I guess, treating them like family. That's something that I've always really, really appreciated from my teammates. So I think that's just the main thing that, I think I could really talk about when, you know, going home and having, I guess, a tough conversation with a parent and it's just kind of just going back to my teammates and just kind of having fun with the game again. That's pretty much the main thing that I got. I think that's great. I think that's great advice. Jack, you have been a part of Team USA now and you've been able to see a lot of players come through and go out of the Team USA organization. What are some of the things that you as a coach are looking for out of a player in order for them to not only make the Team USA team, but in order to separate themselves from just being a good player to become a great player? That's a great question. Uh, we talk about it a lot. Um, you know, we have PDP, the PDP league that starts early in the summer. you got 100 kids, the top 100 players in the nation, and somehow we have to break that down to 40 by the end of the summer, and then somehow have to break that down to 20 to do a roster so you're like how in the world could you possibly see that type of talent and break it out to 20 and our mantra at usa baseball it's not the best 20 it's the right 20 and what it comes down to is what you need to win represent your country and what you need to win a gold medal and it's not always the best our our last roster was filled with with guys that were were glue guys guys that could lead a clubhouse guys that could band the squad together guys that could come in and put down a sack bunt and steal a base and that's how we end up beating Japan in the semifinal. We had a guy on the roster who was our fourth outfielder who wasn't considered as this huge top prospect, but he was the captain of our team. He, 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 the, how he went about his business was unbelievable on respect from his players and from the coaching staff, and he made the squad, and we got a lot of beef for that. And we literally 
got to the championship game because he came off the bench, put a sack bunt down, caused havoc because he can run. Next thing you know, we got they can't make the play. We got second and third. Boom, we we walk off Japan in the semis to get to the final uh, in the last inning, down by one. So it's it's any player that wants to come and play for USA and gets that opportunity to come to PDP and try out. It's what can you do for your for your country? What can you do on a baseball field? And most of the time, it's, you're not going to play the position that you're coming in as because you have to. There's only one shortstop usually. You got you got to be able to. Our, our infield was consisted of four shortstops. That was our championship infield, and so you got to come up, be flexible. Got to be able to play the, you know multiple positions. Hopefully, maybe two way and pitch. It's just the guys that that show us that they're willing to do anything to make a team uh, on top of the level of, of talent they already have. So it's pretty special to watch. But it's actually when it comes down to it, you can tell that the guys who are really, really all about representing their country and putting on those that USA uniform. That's amazing. And I think you're seeing that right now in the World Baseball Classic, right? Tim Anderson, shortstop, he's playing second base last night or two right. nights ago. So, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. I, I think that's the best quote I think I've heard. Um, it's not the, it's not the best 20, it's the right 20. I think that's amazing, and I think that's a great thought process um, as a coach at any level, right? It's not, it's not, it doesn't have to be yeah. the best kids. It has to be the right kids. Now, yeah. Jacob – you're now part of Team USA. You're getting your own gear. Your dad's not having to bring it home anymore. Talk to us about your journey. Talk to us about, you know, competing against some of those those top flight guys. Um, talk about that process because you got there out of merit and 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 because you're you're a dude, you're a stud. Talk about that journey. Tell us tell us how that went. Yeah, I think for sure it was probably one of the best experiences I think I've ever been a part of. You know, getting that invite to start was probably the coolest thing I think I've ever gotten. I remember Coach Sanguitz calling me over summer, telling me I got that invite. It was probably probably the coolest moment I've ever got got to receive from a coach. So once I got there, it was it was all fun. You know, all those guys that were there were super cool. They were awesome to be, to be a part of, especially kind of seeing the talent that they brought to a baseball field was pretty pretty phenomenal. Just being able to see those guys hit BP and throw all that stuff. They were. They were pretty. They were pretty special to watch. But um, kind of just going through that. I think, like he said, being being uh, flexible with your position. I think I played first base for the first time. I think in my life. I don't think I've ever really stepped foot at first base until I got there. And then they, I think I started a game at first base in, in the in the trials. And they, that was just something that I'd never really done before. And like he said, just kind of being flexible. But um, my experience was awesome. Those five games were super crazy. I remember July fourth, we had like ten thousand people show up to our to our our inner squad pretty much at uh in north carolina so it was pretty it was an awesome environment to be a part of just being able to play in front of that many people with those guys on the field as well it was it was a pretty awesome experience that's that's probably one thing that i'll remember forever is that is that week in north carolina and plus the, ne- the next week in europe it was it was the best baseball moment i think i've had in my life i, I wish i was there it sounds amazing <laughs> i mean I'm, I'm i'm super jealous and i think a lot of people would would say the same thing what advice would you give to those players that go to those Team USA workouts in Arizona, North Carolina, Florida that that don't make the team, but but want to? What what advice would you give those guys to to pursue their dream? Yeah, I would just say you know never give up. That's the one thing that I did. I think no matter how big or small you are in high school, I remember I was I was a very small high school baseball player. I was tall. I was very skinny though. I think that. I get a bunch of people asking me questions like, oh, how do you gain weight? How do you get stronger? I think that for me, it's just keep working hard, kind of just no matter if you make the team or not. I think that 
you're still in a great spot to even get invited to that stuff. So just kind of go out there, just keep having fun playing the game. That's the one thing that I really looked at when I was there is that I just wanted to go out there and have fun. That was the one thing. I didn't want to take anything for granted. And, you know, baseball is not forever. So I think that for me, I would just tell kids, just go out there and just keep having fun, keep working hard. That's that's what I've done to get here where I am today. So I think that's the one thing that I would tell, you know, the younger generation to really kind of focus on is just really having fun with the game. It, You're absolutely right. I mean, fun is why we play the game. Jack. Yeah. As his father, he becomes he gets on Team USA. Is that is that the proudest moment from yeah. since since maybe being born? I mean, uh, what you know his birth? What what how, what was your feelings like? It was a it was a crazy week because the the collegiate team was in North Carolina at the same time that I was doing the eighteen U PDP league. So, um, but when you're on staff, you're literally from like seven to like eleven o'clock at night. Like, cause you got to see the whole day and then you're coming back and you're doing meetings. Um, so that was my second year on staff. So I actually really didn't get to see much of him at all the entire week, even though they were using the same complex as we were. Uh, they were going at night. We were going during the day, but I literally, it was tough for me to even just get away. I think I got away for his first practice to go over and say, I don't, I think I cost, caught like the last 20 minutes, you know, just to, just to say hi. Like we were literally there together the whole week. I think I saw him for a total of maybe like two hours. Like, just because his schedule was crazy in mine. And honestly, that was the most nerve-wracking week I think I've ever had in my entire life. And I think this, I, th- I think I was more nervous for that week than my first week in the big leagues. Wow. Like, I just had that th- those feelings in your stomach where, like, I'm in meetings and I'm literally following his game on, like, a phone, like, live box score. That's the only way. And I just remember uh, him having a first tough game. And I'm just, like, heartbroken for him because I know how bad he wants it. And it's the first game. And no one hit because the pitchers are just – everybody's coming back. You know, it's wood bat. And he's really bummed. He, I think he went, like, 0 for 5. But he lined out. I mean, he hit it hard a couple times. And I was like – but he, he fell down. And I said, listen, man, I'm like, you're going to be fine. Like, it's, you know, day two tomorrow. you got another day to go out there. And we talked for about 30, 40 minutes about maybe some making some adjustments to, to deal with all of a sudden seeing 96, 97 consistently – um, made some different things. Hey, try this in BP. I use, I did this when I was in big leagues when I faced somebody really, really hard. Try that. See if that feels good. And just be confident. Go out there and swing and just have fun. Just enjoy the moment. Like, be all in the moment. And I remember that feeling, waking up the next day, being super nervous for him, thinking about the whole day. And then his, his first at-bat comes up, and I'm in a meeting, and I'm following his at-bat, and I see ball one, ball two, whatever. And then I see, I see ball in play runs. And I'm like, wait a second, there was nobody on. Like, what is that? Wait, hold on. What's that mean? And it says Jacob Wilson homers to left. And I'm like, I had to leave the room. I had to leave the room in the middle of the meeting because I was just so, I was so proud of him. And I was so happy because just because of what happened the day before, him able to take that frustration and, and wanting it so badly to turn and make those adjustments and then hit the homer. And then the next day he hits another homer and then he hits a double and then he goes off the whole week. And I was just so nervous for him, but so proud that he was able to take that first day of, of just not feeling comfortable and not and not really feeling dominant at the plate to completely turn it around and leading the whole thing in almost every offensive category, and just to be with him at one forty-five in the morning when he got the call to let him know he was on the team. I drove over to his hotel at one forty-five in the morning and just to be there with him, having him come down the lobby and embracing and just like you said, the journey that he's had from the time and and, and him denying the USA gear because. I'm going to get my own shirt one day and then him actually doing it. Um, 
yeah, proud is, is probably an understatement at that point on, on, on what you feel as a father and as a fan. You know, I'm a fan of Jake. I'm his father first, but I'm a super, super big fan of his. And just to see that all come together was just an amazing, amazing week. And, you know, like you said, he's got his own gear now. It's awesome. Seeing how that player development and just the awesome experiences that you've had with Jacob and just loving the kid to death, you know, and being by his side is, is awesome to see. And I, and a lot of kids don't get that, you know, a lot of kids don't have an opportunity like the two of you guys have. I want to touch on what makes Jacob so different from all the other players that he's playing with, whether it's on team USA, when he was in high school and the things that just entirely separated him from the group where he was able to dominate and what you think about that, Jack, of what he was able to do. So I think it kind of started out like, you know, he played baseball and obviously signs early on that he had really good hand-eye coordination. You know, he could play catch. He can catch a ball pretty young. He could square up a ball. Like his swing was all kind of cool. And I kind of thought it was normal. I'm like, ah, you know, I didn't know anything. It was my first kid, you know? So, but as, as time went on and the more I, you know, the golder he got, better he got. I was like, okay, that could be pretty good. Hopefully he's not my size. Maybe he'll get big and tall and strong and stuff like that. But I was like, okay, how do I put him in a, the best situation possible? It's just like a dad, right? We always talk about we want our, our kids to have bigger and better than we all did. And I said, okay, if I'm going to go back, what would, I, what would I change about myself? What are the things I look back on myself and say, I wish I was better at? And then really focus on that for him. So I'm going to teach him what I'm good at, but I'm really going to like teach him what I wasn't. And that was a really big thing for me. Cause I really, there were things I look back like, I wish I was better at this. I wish I was better at that. And why, why were the best hitters the best? Well, what did they do consistently to make them the best hitters and really study that and watch them. I felt like my best, most valuable coaching experiences happened in my last two years in the big leagues when I was a bench guy and I could just watch the game and just learn and watch and just watch guys get in the box that were the best hitters in the game. Okay, why are they so much better than everybody else? And then take that knowledge and take that information and with a kid that has hand-eye coordination, teach him early, like the importance of getting your hand back early because the best hitters in the game were always waiting on the ball, not trying to catch up to it. They always felt like the game was slower to them. So my thing with Jacob is like offensively, I want the game to be slow for you. And how do we accomplish that? Defensively, I'm going to give you everything I had. That was my forte. This is what we got. But offensively, if I can get it to you, can slow the game down and make it seem like 92 is 88, 89, recognizing pitches better. I was a free swinger. He's not. Um, you know, that was my goal with him offensively. It's like I just I want him to be able to look like those guys did where they just felt like they – just felt like the game was easier to them. Watching Manny Ramirez hit was like, this guy, this game is so much easier to him. Albert Pujols, why is it so much easier to him? And um, it, it was the same thing. Their hands were loaded, ready to go before the ball was even released. It was always the same with the same hitters. They saw the ball the longest. So if you watch his setup, his hands are loaded before the guy even is coming up with the ball. His hands are loaded, so all he has to do is go A to B, sees the ball longer, gets better recognition, and chokes up with barrel accuracy, um, barrel's closer to your eyes, so he's got a 33-inch bat, choked down to a 32, and he can put the ball in, and he can put the ball in play consistently, at a pretty hard rate with with this barrel awareness. So 
that was that was my thing with him. If I got to build a hitter, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the best hitters I saw and kind of mash them all together. Well, you're doing you did a great job because I mean, <laughs> what I've seen and 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 what's going on right now. I mean, he's hitting everything. I mean, everything anywhere it's pitched. Um, if any coaches are watching, it's he's tough, man. He's a tough out. Like it's it's not gonna be easy. So good luck. Um, you talk about your forte being defense. I mean, I think that's you know such such a great quality as having a parent who's who dominates or, or maybe not dominates but understands hops understands how to teach and communicate um and you can obviously see that he 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 reads hops extremely well he does he does things i know you're here jacob i know you're 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 here but we're talking about you uh you know as if you're not here you you, you do so many great things you've taught him so many great things your unorthodox video that you put out where, you know, you're on the iron <laughs> mic and you're, you're taking balls off the iron mic at, at, for defensive purposes. I mean, that's something that I think every middle infielder has to watch or has to see because yeah. it is, it's amazing. And we're going to put it on our link um, so that people can, wow, can watch it because I think it, it's an amazing yeah. workout for those that want to get better. Can you talk about that? And is that something you did in the big leagues? Or did you, is that something that, you know, you did, uh, you know, throughout your career? I actually did that a lot. I did that a lot, like early spring training when I just wanted to get some transfer work in. Um, a lot of just sitting in front of my iron mic and let that thing throw it at me and, and work on getting the transfer in and out of my glove. Um, you know, it was just, all right, I, I don't really need a fungo guy. I just need a ball coming at me in different angles or whatnot and crank that sucker down, make it lower, make it higher, long hop, short hop, whatever you want, work on – tags in second base just little things that you can just do that doesn't really take a lot of energy in a sense we like it's just uh i'm just gonna get some extra work in today you know and i think that that type of stuff like you know what, what you see with jacob as well is that it's just the importance of defense that kind of gets overlooked uh the defensive game is just is not something that's really taught a lot in the lower levels of baseball it's all about hitting and hitting and hitting and throw as hard as you can and all those all that stuff but it you can't out hit a bad defense. That's just the way it is, you know? So I've always instilled defense in every co team that I've coached and understanding like, Hey, defense is, you know, you, you dive and make a play and save a run. It's just as, just as good as driving one in, you know? And I think to, to Jacob's, you know, to Jacob, it's just awesome. Cause he's adopted that same, that same theory. Like, all right. I like he was three for four yesterday and had two doubles and he's killing it. And he was the most, like, he was happy. We won. But after the game, he was livid because he made an error. And I love that because to him, he expects to make every single play, and that's what makes a good defender. A good defender. And sometimes i got to sit him back and remind him, like, hey, just be, because, because you're a good defender, you're going to try to make plays that maybe other people don't try to make. And sometimes it's going to end up being an error because you're trying to throw it on the run in the hole or you're diving and trying to make a play because you believe that you can make it. So I love the fact that he was upset yesterday, not with the fact that he was good with the boys. He just came in the office and was just like, Gosh dang it! I'm like, bro, you're three, four, two ribbies. You're like 15 for your last 21. Like life is good. Your team's killing it. It's 12 and four, and he's like, I know, I know, I'm happy about all that, absolutely. But I hate making errors, and I was like, I love that. I love that because that's what makes to me. That's what you talk about, like the consistency on the bat, the consistency on defense, is what makes him who he is, and what makes him attractive to people because he cares about that. So he cares about every facet of the game, even if he's got two stolen bases right now. Nice. <laughs> It's nice. So I mean, that's 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 what I love about what I love about watching him and watching him compete is that you know 
every facet of the game he's he's a student of and wants to be good at for his team to lead his team what is something uh that jacob what are you doing when you get into the plate you get into the box right and you're thinking all of your pre-pitch stuff the day before you're watching film all that stuff what is your at bat routine that you go through in order to prepare for that pitcher because they're throwing gas and you got to be prepared for something that's going to spin or something else so run me through that you know box routine that you got yeah so obviously with him i'm kind of being our dugout now he's kind of adapted the hitting coach thing which is he watches video he kind of looks for certain I guess, sequences that a pitcher has what he throws in certain counts what he likes to attack guys with so for me i really take that information and kind of just go up there and like you said earlier kind of just push the hands back and try to make everything slow for me i want to i really kind of focus on staying gap to gap staying up the middle and staying in the middle of the field that's something that i that he's really taught and kind of established into me and something that i really really kind of take into my at bat that's something that i really look for and then obviously i look for a pitch you know early in the count when i'm ahead of the count i want to look for something that i can kind of do damage with something in the middle of the plate something middle in and then obviously kind of spinning on you know sliders down the way fastballs down the way something that i can't really do too much with and then kind of work from there you know going into even count going late into account kind of just being able to battle off pitches just kind of fight and stay in the box like you said you know some, there's some not a great you know there's sometimes not a great defense out there so if i could just put the ball in play you know avoid striking out hopefully you know bad hop or something kind of gets through then you know it can start a rally for my team so for me i really kind of just take the gap to gap approach and just kind of put the ball in play kind of just being i guess a pesky out really wanting to foul off pitches that really make pitchers upset and kind of just wait for them to make a mistake to me that's something that i really really look for and you know look for something middle in kind of that's where most guys homers come from is pitches that are middle in middle of the play something they can really you know put something in the air to the pole side you know put some runs on the board you know help start a rally so for me i guess the main thing that i really want to work on is or really look at looking in the bat is pushing the hands back super early making everything slow and just staying in the middle of the field jacob what's the best advice your dad's ever given you Ooh. there's been there's been a lot of great advice that he's given me over the years but i think honestly i think it really doesn't have anything to do with the skill set of baseball i think for something that you really kind of tells me a lot is that baseball is a really hard game. I think that is really important for the mental side of baseball. You know, baseball's a game around failure. You know, if you get a hit three out of ten times, you're you're doing really well for yourself. I think that sometimes, even even I go through this, is that we take, we're really hard on ourselves based on, from a game that's based around failure. So I think for me, the best advice that he's given me is just go day to day. Like, it doesn't matter what you did yesterday. It's a new day. It's a new, new four or five at-bats, whatever you may be getting. So I think that like I said, probably just the mental side of baseball, just going through day-to-day and not really getting too down on yourself is something that I've really, really appreciated him coming to me with over, you know, I think it really, really helps me out through college baseball. And high school baseball, not so much. I mean, I think that high school baseball is just high school baseball. But once you get into college level, it's a whole different type of game. You're seeing more electric pitchers, more electric teams that are coming in trying to beat you and trying to get you out so that's the best thing that he's given me is kind of just go day to day and you know just realize how hard this game really is coach what's the best advice you give to your players you feel what's something that you and you try to ingrain in their in their minds be greedy be greedy like every bat it means something uh like i played with freddie sanchez for five years watched him win a fighting title i never saw that guy give away at a bat so after every hitters meeting, I say be greedy uh, because our goal, our goal every day is to go one and zero. It's not about like we can talk about winning a WAC championship or going to a regional and, and maybe beyond in, in the playoffs. But the goal every day is to to go one and zero. 
And because, like Jake said, it doesn't matter what we did yesterday. That could be a four for four. That doesn't guarantee you're going to get a hit today. Like you can go zero for four. Doesn't guarantee that you're not going to get a hit today. And, and so, every at bat is different. Every at bat is a new opportunity. And I, I try to tell them like today is an opportunity to be great. Like you can literally do something that no one's ever done before in the history of the game. That could be done today. And you just have to have that open mind. No matter how you felt the day before, that's we've all gone four for four and the next day gone over four. I mean, like it happens, like it's baseball. You can line out four times and then hit four CNI ground balls and go four for four, four for four. You know, it's baseball. So I just remind them, I said, listen, just be greedy, be up there every day, no matter what the score is, no matter what your last at bat was, the new at bat, go get another knock, go get on base, go score a run, do whatever you need to do to, to help your team win. And these guys do a great job of that. Our, our late inning heroics that are more like coach is going to have a heart attack hitting coaches wondering why we don't score for seven innings and all of a sudden we throw like an eighth spot in the eighth wondering why we can't do that in the whole first part you know but uh you know they're they're fun to watch but they also they believe in themselves and they believe that hey we're they're never out of game i mean we had four hitters we played uh new mexico yesterday and in the first four hitters of the game they had four runs they went knock 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 grand slam you're like oh okay and it's com- and we're completely calm because like we know that we can put up runs and score runs and sure enough we win eleven to eight, you know. So it's it's they understand that every at bat's important, and once that at bat's over, you use the information from the last at bat to help you for your next at bat. You know, you're facing the same pitcher or how they're going to pitch you. So really getting them to think about outside the box type of hitting. I love it. As a coach at, at GCU and and someone who's been around the game for so long, give us, give us what you're looking for as a coach at GCU when you're scouting kids or when you're looking, you know, to, to get players to, to come to GCU. Yeah, I'm just learning that for uh, this, my, you know, my first year. So I'm just kind of learning the ins and outs of, of kind of the recruiting process. I I've known, you know, obviously I've been watching Jacob, Jacob was a, he re, would you, after sophomore year, you committed to GCU or right before uh, your sophomore year? My first day of my sophomore year. Yeah, that's right. So I kind of, been, you know, we've been watching GCU baseball for quite a long time, and especially over the last couple of years since Jacob has been there. So I kind of get the idea of what the GCU program is looking for, uh, what Coach Wallace is looking for since, since Greg was the recruiting coordinator the entire time that I had known about GCU baseball. So, and I'm biased. I'm just going to go after shortstops just the way it is. <laughs> you know, if I – like, I see a pitcher, I just send it off to Coach Bannister, like, hey, he looks good. Yeah, I like his curveball or whatever, and I'll send him stuff that I see. But for me, I just look for athleticism because, I, like you said, being flexible. Like, we have guys, when you come in your freshman year, you have to be – it's almost like the USA thing. You have to be flexible. You have to get at bats. You know, your freshman year um, – I sent Jacob with an outfielder's glove his freshman year uh, to GCU because like, he played, out, he played uh, on a very high-level travel ball team. Uh, with, with Garcia Power Baseball Group was their their number one Navy team, and he was the left fielder, and that's how he got to play on the on that team and play in the best tournaments and play in the best competition and get seen. So I sent him to GCU with a with an outfielder's man and say, hey, make sure you remind them that you can also play outfield. You know, and he was playing short, they put him at third. I mean, I think he started his whole year of freshman year at third base that he had never really played a lot of, um, but because he was an athlete and because he was flexible and could do multiple things, it gave him an opportunity to get on the field and get a lot of at-bats his, his freshman year. You know, he get an opportunity, and he took it. He took it and won a job. And so that's why I'm so much into athleticism. 
somebody that can come in and I know you're a shortstop, but can you play second? Can you play center? Can you play third? You know, having that flexibility because that allows us as a coaching staff to give you more opportunities at different spots. And, you know, so that's, that's really what I'm looking for and, and learning more about the process. But I mean, give me athletes, give me athletes that we can move around and it's not a, all the time you're going to come in and be the starting shortstop and you know Judge Jacob wasn't the starting shortstop we have another shortstop and even Emilio Barraris who's really really good and he'll probably take over the shortstop spot next year but he's playing third and he's playing second and he's playing short when I think Jacob had a DH game the other day but like he's flexible and that's what gets him on the field you guys are exciting to watch that's for sure I mean it's you're absolutely right athleticism is all over the field um a lot of people don't know that, you know, you probably coached the best high school team in the last 10 years in, in the area of, of Southern California, 29 and one, you had a bunch of draft picks, a bunch of guys that are at the next level and everyone you've ever, everyone that I've talked to and, you know, I, we played against you guys, not that year, but you know, in, in years past and everyone says how honest you are with the players and the parents talk to there's so many coaches I feel, especially high school, that aren't aren't as honest or, or maybe just kind of fluffs some some things around. Is that why you're successful? To explain why you know you were able to to have such great success at, at your alma mater, Thousand Oaks, um, to help other coaches, right? Like I, I I would love to know why you know or what I could do as a coach to be better, um, you know, knowing that you know you you do it the right way, so. Yeah, I think um, I think we had a lot of success because of the players. The players were talented, but they worked their butts off. Our our practices were really tough um, because I was so much about not caring what we did, not caring what our our rank was. You know, that 2021 team was special. The 2020 team, I think, was might be head to head with that one, uh, but it would have been Jacob's senior year that we got cut short. That team was on a roll, um, but they worked hard. They worked extremely hard, and so I get to, you know, I get to be the benefit of that, to be the coach that got to be with these guys, these great draft picks, but they, they bought into understanding that today's a new day. And the truth about it is like when I talk, talk to parents and, and talk to players and be like, my door is open. You know, if you got, if you got something that's, that's bothering you, come, let's talk about it. Like, I'll give you the answer that I have. You might not like it, um, but it's, it's truth. You know, if you want to know why you're not playing, I'll, I have stats. I have reasons for whatever I choose the lineup. I tell my players, like, I don't write the lineup. You guys do. I just hold the Sharpie. You know, you guys are the ones doing out. And in high school, it's different because there's so many more practices than games that I'm like, I tell parents, unless you're at practice every day, you have no right to tell, to say, my kid should be playing. Because in high school, the kids that play are, are winning the jobs in practice. Now, college, you have a lot more games. Those guys are winning the jobs on the field. In pro ball, you win it on the field because you have way more time on the field and, and putting up numbers than you do in practice or than you do in high school. In high school, it's like, all right, what parents see on a game day is is what is the the byproduct of what they're doing at practice. Like if and I was always a guy to listen. If you throw strikes and you play defense, I'm going to play. If you hit 450 and you can't play defense, I only got one DH spot. But my guys are going to catch the ball because my pitchers are going to throw strikes and I need guys to catch the ball. So if you're not a good defender, we need to work on that because there's a really hard time to get in the lineup if you can't catch the ball for my guys, for the pitchers. So I told the parents that unless you come to practice every single day, then you'll have no idea why your kid's not playing. 
and I opened it, my doors to them too. We can have a conversation, and you know, lucky enough, we had we had cameras at our field, you know, for different reasons, and I could actually pull up footage in the practice and have show their kid throwing every single ball away during ground balls and be like, this is what I see. This is why I don't put him in the lineup. And it's not, I love the kids. I'll always love my players because they give me everything they have. But in the long run, that's, that's when the lineup is made at practice. So I always felt like there's no, there's no ifs, ands, buts about it. You want to know, I'll, I have the information for you. If you want to know it, my, my door's open. No emails or texts. Just, hey, come on in. Come to practice and, and knock on my door and say, hey, can we talk? I've, I, I understand where they're at being a father of a player myself. So I get I get that side of it. So I think it, it was important for me to give them solid, truthful answers. I think for every coach that's listening, I think that's just the way you have to do it, especially at the high school level. Um, blunt honesty, right? It, it, sometimes yeah. it's painful, but but it really is going to benefit the player. It's going to benefit everybody. Um, I mean, this is this is great. We have one last question for each of you. It's our last three outs. We do it with everybody. We're going to go with uh, Jacob, your first favorite food. Like just any type of food or favorite like restaurant? Kind any, of any food, man. Ooh. I'm, gonna go, I'm, I'm a nice burger guy. I like, I like a good burger. Okay. Yeah. Favorite movie? <laughs> I know this one. I'm going real steel. <laughs> yes! Let's go! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love it. Favorite baseball player, living or dead? I mean, it got it gotta go, Dad. I thought you were gonna go we Freddie Sanchez, go. but you know, all okay. right, I guess Dad's a good pick. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. Talk about awkward. That'd have been awkward. That's right, so you're my awkward. favorite though, so it's cool. <laughs> all right, Coach. Same three questions. Favorite food? Basically anything Mexican. Anything. I can crush all of it, unfortunately. <laughs> so good. Um, um, movie. Favorite movie. Oh. I'm going to go Dumb and Dumber. I'm going to go classic <laughs> Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to go classic Dumb and Dumber because there's just too many quotes that I could just throw out at any time that play for so many different <laughs> reasons in the dugout and that are so over our players' heads right now. But we'll get them on point. We'll get them on point. Favorite player. Uh yeah, I'm gonna go. I I love watching Jacob play baseball. I mean, I tell you, I'm his dad, and I'll always be his dad. But like, it's 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 different when you get to to watch your kid play through high school, through college level, and just you know, if you talk about a fan, someone you wear your jersey, someone that you're rooting for in and out, no matter what they do, it's like you're still gonna be a diehard fan. And uh, you know, that's me. Growing up, it was Kurt Stillwell. Growing up, uh, Kurt Stillwell was a shortstop switching shortstop from Thousand Oaks High School, local guy made good. So I followed him, um, you know, and so, yeah, I, uh, I, I love getting a front row seat. It's definitely a, a, a nice cog to being a, a coach in, in, at GCU. I get a really good Gatorade, free Gatorade, free <laughs> seeds. I got the best seat in the house to, to teach, but also to, to sit there and interact with, with my son and watch him play baseball and, all those guys are like my kids. They're awesome. They're, you, you know, you have such a relationship with them, but there's nothing like sitting there at, a, at the end of the dugout and, and watching him compete. It's a lot of fun. I, I'm a big fan of, of both of you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Um, if you're not following GCU baseball, 
and you're you're a baseball fan, you're you're missing out because it is it is great baseball. Jacob Wilson absolutely tears it up. I mean, he his dad was all right, but this kid is this kid's the real deal. Um, you know, I I am I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan of you, Jacob. I'm so excited for the, this year. I'm hoping we redo this interview in Omaha. Um, you know, part two. Um, thank you so much for being on the podcast and. Thank you, yeah. guys. Thank you, guys. It's amazing. Yeah, thank, you for thank you. Thanks for having awesome. us. My name is Jacob Wilson. This is the Baseball Playground. Make sure to hit the follow button on Instagram and YouTube. Hey, this is Jack Wilson on the Baseball Playground podcast. Follow them on Instagram and subscribe on YouTube.